Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is December 22nd. I'm David Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. We've got a great show lined up today and a fantastic guest. Um, it is going to be is, is going to be one of the bigger guests that, that we've had on the show, and we have had uh, Josh Lindblom. <laughs> So and pitching ninja. So you you do have to follow that up. But we have 2018 NL Central champion Eric Kratz joining us on the show today. Eric, man, thanks so much for coming on. No doubt. Thanks for having me. I'm just I'm honored to be joined and be able to be on the the podcast with you guys. And after the pitching ninja, yeah, <laughs> I'm ecstatic. Yeah, it is. He is. He was just crowned the. Uh, the Twitter, the baseball Twitter champion, yeah. uh, by by Danny Vietti, yeah, yeah. So I mean that's, yeah, that's that's big time. But but he did not win the National League Central in 2018 like you did with the Brewers. So you do have that going going for you. I do have that. So okay, all right, the pressure's off now. Whew. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So you uh, you retired. Uh, this past year, you spent this past year uh, in retirement. How is retirement treating you, uh, by the way? How, how's it going? I quit. I didn't retire. I quit. <laughs> like like when Ryan Braun was done playing, he retired. I mm-hmm. quit. So quitting has been tremendous. I really <laughs> I, I should have done this a long time ago. I'm really good at it. Um, uh, it it's been great. Uh, the reason I was done was because it was time to be home with the kids. Um, I think I sucked every last bit out of a unlikely career. So something that it was easy. It was an easy time to, to leave. I could, I could have physically, I could have kept playing for another five years because people are like, Oh man, your body's not broken down. I was like, I really didn't play that much. So <laughs> really was a lot of games. I just had great seats. Um, but it's, it's something that, I was fortunate to play as long as I did, and I was able to go out on my own terms. And that's that's rare in our game. You know, normally it's like they kick you out or nobody calls you for a job. Fortunately, I was able to turn jobs down at the end, and it wasn't it wasn't tough to turn jobs down. That's for sure because it was it was much needed time to be home with the kids and my wife. Nice. How much uh, how much baseball then did you get to uh, take in from the outsider's perspective or has that kind of lined up uh, with I that pro ball? I went to. Well, first in March and April, middle school, the seventh and eighth grade middle school team at Doc Academy here in Telford, Pennsylvania. They were graced with my presence as a head coach, and we went <laughs> to a one one and eleven record on the season. Uh, we won the game in walk off fashion, mm. but I feel like the eleven is a great number for us to have wins because of the seventeen players that we have ever, that we had on the team, eleven had played zero catch before in their life. Like they oh, did. Oh wow. They didn't even know where their glove was. So it was exciting that we won a game. I told them at the beginning of the season, if we won a game, we'd get a pizza party. Um, I was lying. We were going to get a pizza party no matter if we won it. <laughs> uh, 
And so we ended up getting it. And so when we, we hit the walk-off, my son hit the walk-off. And it was something that I heard. I watched the video of the walk-off and some kids like, pizza! Pizza! <laughs> so, so we had that going for us. But no, after, after that season, obviously I watched a lot of games on TV. I, I really... I really like baseball. So I, I like watching baseball. I like talking about baseball. Um, I went to a game. Let's see. I went to two Phillies games live. Um, so big league games. Those are the two regular season. And I was working in the minor leagues with the Red Sox as a player development consultant. I don't know. It's not even like a real job title. It's just like what I did. It was awesome. It was like, it was like, playing it was like being in triple a or in double a playing and not having to worry about like hitting or (laughs) shape so it was it was great um and then i went to my son is my oldest son is a yankees fan so we went to the wild card game in boston which was nice for your first red sox yankees game to ever go to that's a pretty decent one for him to go to so that was the extent of like going to games um but the one yeah the phillies game that was it was awesome because i got to see some of my buddies but we had like the worst fan ever behind us he was like spitting and everything while he was talking and i love philly fans i grew up a philly fan i live outside of philly they're not that dissimilar to milwaukee except they're just not that nice, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, but something that, you know, other than that, it's it's great. I love being on this side of it. I always felt like I was on this side of baseball. I just got to play for a little bit. Yeah, de- definitely on on the passionate side uh, with the fans over in Philly. Um, yeah. But yeah, not as much Midwestern nice uh, along with. It. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean that's. I feel like that's got to be such a stark turnaround going from like being around professional athletes, uh, professional baseball players who know what they're doing, who are in tune with everything, know everything about their mechanics. And then you, and then you go to coaching some middle school kids who are like, what's catch? What, what is a glove? <laughs> <laughs> there was, what was the, Oh man, I wish I remember. It was great because it was a really good group of boys. I had a girl on the team, and she was one of our better players. Uh, she was like a softball player, so she started at second base every game for us. But I forget what the one kid – it was a great group of boys. They were all – most of them were my, my son's buddies that he mm-hmm. convinced to come out. And the one asked a question. What did he say? Oh, it was the best question. He goes – and it was something that was like, oh, duh, like you never really, I never, never thought of that. Like, I just always have played baseball. He goes, he goes, okay, so if we're learning about balls and strikes, if you get four balls, you walk. Mm-hmm. And we were playing a game and it was kind of like simulating the game. And he goes, he goes, he got his fourth ball and he's like, do I have to walk or is it kind of like one of the, <laughs> you don't have to and you can just stay in one? <laughs> And you're talking about like rule changes, like (laughs) shift, none of that. Let's, 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 let's make guys make decisions on their own. Like, no, I don't want to walk. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that plenty of times at the big leagues where it's just like, I don't want to go pitch to me. Throw me a strike. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. 
no doubt. That's when that's when you're feeling it. Yeah. That's when you're feeling it. But yeah, no, that that was <laughs> it was definitely different. But I like that you said how uh, all professional a- athletes are in tune with their body and how everything's working and stuff. But you interviewed Josh Lindblom, so that's maybe not the case for all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little shade. Okay. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of smoke for him. Well, oh, really? Oh, yeah. He was in. Uh, is is there beef? His debut with the Phillies. Oh. So, yeah. So we were. What a great dude. Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah. Like the nicest guy on earth. Yeah. But but just that, just, just got to throw a little at him. You know, <laughs> oh, there's not. Yeah, there's there's nobody that's that's the that's the biggest thing I've had to change. I can't be home all day with my wife and like just throw just throw some smoke at her, throw some shit. <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't play that game. Like she's it's like she's like it's not the locker room. Like we're not. Yeah. You're not going to joke on me for, you know, for misspelling something or. <laughs> Filling my coffee, like this is just yeah. Wife rules are a little different. A lot different. A lot. Tread lightly. Tread like you'll yeah. learn that someday, David. Yeah. <laughs> Newlywed? Uh, no, four years. No, been a while. But I, oh. I've, I'm, I'm very aware of, uh, of, of the delicate steps to take around the house. Yeah. She's not. She's not one of the boys. Which no. is good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good. David, you feel left out. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it's this—it's the single bachelor life for me for now. So we'll just—we'll just roll with it while it's there. Yeah, no ride doubt. it out. No doubt. Hey, Milwaukee winters though are a little bit tough to be single. There. Yeah. You need Wisconsin winters in general. Yeah. With, yeah, not just with Milwaukee winters. You—you you just need some sunshine in your life. You need some. Yeah, and yesterday was like the darkest, like it was the shortest amount of sunshine day of the year. So yeah, yeah, fun time. That just, that just means it's only getting brighter. Yeah, it's only getting yeah. brighter from here. And there we you go. Need, you need to go out on the lake and get, you know, make sure there's a fire out on the lake and see how long <laughs> it lasts, and then go out and get some fishing in you, you know. Oh, you oh still yeah. got a little bit of that in you. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I love picking up a couple of accents every once in a while, different places that I go. Sometimes my, sometimes my U UP, my Upper Peninsula accent and my Irish accent kind of. <laughs> yeah, I was noticing that. <laughs> a little bit of Irish slipped in there. Yeah. It is not. It's not the best, but anyway. Yeah. Oh man. All right, so yeah, so you came to uh, to Milwaukee and Wisconsin. That was that was May uh, of 2018. Uh, were you expecting a, a trade like that from the Yankees, and um, or, or or any sort of move? And what were your initial thoughts like after you got to Milwaukee? Back up a little bit in like December, January. They had they had come after me pretty hard in minor league free agency, but. It, you know, I had been through minor league free agency quite a few times up until that point. And, you know, you you hear what they say and then you go and do your own research. And it takes like three minutes to see that there was Jet Bandy, Stephen Vogt, uh, Pena. Who else? There was like five guys. I forget all the names of the guys. Susak was, like was Susak still there? He might, he might, I think he was, yeah. yeah. 
Good call. Uh, I think there's five guys on the roster at that point. And I'm like, like, are you looking for me to be in double A? Like, what, what? <laughs> and, but as hard as they came at me and they were like, oh, we really, you know, we see a lot of value in you and everything they said ended up being truthful. But in the moment, like, it was like, no, like, mm-hmm. there's one I'm not going to go and play. Were they in Nashville at the time? Uh, Colorado Springs, I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, if I was playing in AAA, it was going to be at one of the three places that was within driving distance of my house. And mm-hmm. we lived in Virginia at the time. Now we live outside of Philadelphia. But so it was going to be – so I kind of discounted them, and they were like – they still stayed after me pretty hard and they were like, things are going to shake out. You know, we really think it's an opportunity for you. And I, I just was like, eh, they're probably liars because there's a <laughs> lot of people just blow smoke and you got to mm-hmm. look through the smoke. And so I had really, it was going to be between the Rays and the Yankees and they were both great offers. They were both willing to have all the outs that I wanted you know, in case something happened in a big league opportunity. And they were both four hours from my house in Virginia. <clears throat> so it was something that I was planning on playing in AAA. And, you know, I knew if I got a call up, it was never like, oh, I'm not good enough to be in the big leagues or, oh, I have to only have a big league job. Like it was, it was better than a salary than I would have gotten paid if I had gone to get a real job. So it was like, eh. you know, every True. year, probably the last 12 years of my career was like, ah, well, we'll see. You know, this might be my last year. <laughs> and I just kept hanging around, but it ended up, you know, I had the, I had an out June 1st and I was doing well in triple a, not necessarily all the counting stats, but like the things that they look for, especially like the brewers look for is value in a player in triple a, if, if they needed an upgrade in a position and, I was so I was doing well, and my agent told me he got a call from the Brewers wondering if I would take my out on June 1st. And my agent, being an agent, he was like, yeah, he'll probably take it, but he probably won't be available by that time. And I, he hadn't heard anything. <laughs> They're like, well, you know, we, I don't know, like his contract's a little bit big for – you know, a guy that we're getting from triple a because my big league contract was bigger if I made the big leagues and, you know, the Yankees always do that. They're just like, eh, whatever, you probably won't make it. So here's your bigger, bigger side of a big league. Contract. We're the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. They're the Yankees, but the Brewers ended up paying it. It wasn't, I wasn't breaking the bank. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was one of those things that they were trying to get it for a little bit less. Um, like shopping at costco like you do get a little discount but it's still i got a coupon yeah <laughs> they, they, they wanted a coupon for me but so and then that's and then the trade went through and the crazy part about the trade was we were in pawtucket we were playing pawtucket and my agent was like dude i think like the trade's gonna go through and we had a day game it was like a it was like an awesome like kids kids come to the park day you know, so it's like 15,000 kids screaming SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, God. <laughs> and 
if you hit a foul ball into the stands, you're afraid it's going to just smash somebody. I don't know how it never, like, kids are always, they never watch the game. And even if they did, they couldn't catch the balls. But anyway, so I think it's going to happen, and I'm starting in the game. So the whole game, I'm like, holy crap, what happens if I get hurt in this game? And you never try to think about, like, getting hurt in a game. Is it, like, going to get hurt? Because that's what happens but they but i played in the game and i got called into the office afterwards and my manager was like oh man it's so great you got traded he's like but you can't tell anybody hmm. and i was like what? i can't tell anybody he's like well since you're in Pawtucket, you have to drive back you have to ride back with the team to scranton and they have to play their game tonight so if I had told anybody and people were like, oh, congratulations, Kratz got traded to the Brewers, then Jet Bandy was going to find out partway through mm. the game mm. that I was coming. So I wasn't allowed to tell anybody. And so I'm riding back on the bus and I'm like, I got to I got to pack my apartment up. I have to. I mean, I had to talk to my wife. And everybody saw me get called into the office. And so one of my buddies was like, dude, you got to tell me what's going on. <laughs> and so I just said I got traded, but nobody, everybody was trying to guess where I was getting traded. Like even the bus driver's driving us back. And he's like, <laughs> he's like trying to figure out. He's like, I bet it. And the bus driver, the bus driver of all people guessed it. Really? He's like, is it the Brewers? And I was like, Look, man, like you guys, every answer that they would give, I'm like, I can't tell you no, and I can't tell you yes. And I was like, how on earth is the bus driver? <laughs> <laughs> like, how is that? Like, how nobody else guessed that? Because they were like going through all the rosters and everything, but it was, it was good. Once I, once I got back, then I was able to tell guys, but it was, it was a definitely a unique, fun experience of getting traded. So, so the first person outside of you and the guys who made the trade that knew you were going to the Brewers was the Scranton Wilkesbury bus driver. <laughs> oh yes, he had he, he. I think he was probably like Stern's, like maybe like half brother or something. What are the Mormons? Big fantasy baseball fan, I guess. Who knows? but it was fun. So then you end up in Milwaukee and you end up getting quite a bit of run with the team, especially down the stretches. Uh, you built quite a bit of chemistry uh, with some of those pitchers. At, at what point during the season did you get the feeling of, wow, this is a team that like this, this is a team that's going to make a deep run. Oh, Im immediately when I got there. Immediately when I got there, I mean, that's easy to say, too, because we were in place at the time. We hadn't dropped out of first place until, until if I were to guess, maybe like August-ish. Mm -hmm. Cubs took over, and then I think they built a five-game lead at one point. But right when I got there, so I had gotten traded to the Royals in 2014. 
and you know that team had Moose and Moose and Locaine on it, um, and I had gone from the Blue Jays. We were two and a half out of the wild card to the Royals. We were also two and a half out of the wild card, and the difference in the way that guys talked, the difference in the way that guys, you know, just approached the game. Cause everybody wants to look at like, Oh, well this team's just not as good as other teams, you know, on paper, they're just not as good. Really the difference in big league teams, like playoff teams and non-playoff teams is like this much. The, di- the biggest gap is the teams that expect to win the teams that expect to to have success and no matter what happens and you could feel it right away you know it didn't help it didn't hurt that like low canes like this is exactly like the royals team like this is what we got he said nobody thinks we're any good and we're we're legit hmm. so you know so you have a guy talking like that yelly's lockers rate right next to my just a couple down from me and you know you have just the way guys talk the way the organization approaches things the way that you know in the first week that you're there you see how the coaches and the staff approach each game like that this game matters some coaches are like hey yeah you know well we just don't have DeGrom pitching tonight, so I guess it really doesn't matter. You know, we don't, <laughs> we don't have good – you know, it was like, no. Like, how are we going to beat these guys? Whatever it takes, how are we going to beat them? And it's it's pretty clear to see. It's pretty clear to see right away when you get to a place. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, and then, like, so you're coming in and you're – uh, you have to learn a whole new pitching staff midseason, and you know you see that you see this kind of talked about the catchers all the time. You're learning a new pitching staff on the fly. That can be kind of tough to do. Uh, and then you come in, it's like, okay, let's look at this pitching staff. We got this guy Freddie Peralta that just debuted a few weeks ago. We got this guy Corbin Burns coming up in a few weeks. Uh, we got this Brandon Woodruff guy uh, who's pretty electric. And these guys are all just kind of like in the bullpen, kind of like sort of starting, but this is like clearly the future and you're there for their like first baby steps in the league. And you caught Corbin Burns's debut. And as I'm sure you remember, his first pitch just sailed just completely <laughs> not even close. So when you're, when you're there, when you're catching for Burns's debut and you see that first pitch, just not even close. What was running through your head? He's a little nervous, <laughs> but I remember, I remember he, we went down to, we were in Miami yeah, and he closed that game out. Cause we had a, we had a string of where we had used hater. We had used, you know, all the guys, Jay, I think JJ had thrown, I think Jefferson thrown the, like the eighth inning that game, or maybe he was whatever it was. Everybody was down, and it was like it was either a one or two run game in Miami, and it was like, all right, this is this is Burnsy's spot. And after the save, he got the save, and I gave him the ball. He probably didn't. He probably didn't even keep it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know, that was a lot better than the first pitch you ever threw at me. You know that, right? And he was like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> this guy's still locked in. <laughs> but he, yeah, that was, I, I it, it was amazing to me how all the guys that, that we just kept calling up that year, you know, Hauser's throwing up on the mound. <laughs> Woody's, Woody, Woody's out there, like, telling me about how he, pulled his hamstring stretching before his debut the year before. Oh yeah. And I wasn't there for that, but he told me about it and Burns comes in and he's like a mute. Like (laughs) it was crazy how all these guys had just the, just a different, they were all so completely different. And then Freddie's just, he's just smiling the whole time. He's like, (laughs) just going to throw the fastball and he's going to get out. (laughs) <laughs> it was amazing to me how each of those guys that they called up, no matter what happened around them, they were so composed. And it showed such a great ability for the minor leagues to be able to develop their pitching, to be able to come up and make a impact in the big leagues. But also DJ, Derek Johnson, to be able to, you know, connect with those guys. And you, I mean, and the whole time there, then you have Chase Anderson pitching on that team. He was just like, Chase Anderson, like, my hair is so <laughs> thick and I'm <laughs> everything. And then there's Suter, who he, I think he was the first bullpen I caught. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy, like, he could have been like a high school, like, tryout. Like, <laughs> he just got on the mound and just, <laughs> 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 Throwing and throwing and throwing. He was done and he was sweating. The roof was open. He was sweating. And I'm like, this guy didn't throw a pitch over 83 miles an hour. <laughs> I'm like, what are we doing? It was so amazing. But each one of those guys were so ready to be in the game. So back to Bernsey throwing that pitch off the backstop. Like, he was ready, even though even though there was some failure there, he was ready to go, and it was, it was, it was awesome. It was definitely a pitching staff I'll never forget. Yeah, you had a uh, Yolise Chassin on that staff. Uh, Wade Miley uh, was having a career year that year. Um, Junior Guerra was there. Corey Knable, he's also a stud. I mean, ridiculous arms that they had. Yeah, Junior was Junior was in in the rotation when i got there mm-hmm. aid was still rehabbing so he and i were hanging out before he got before he got activated and then he went and he went to triple a and rehabbed and then when he came back you know he started really utilizing the cutter more than he ever had and throwing strikes because he was always just kind of a a nitpick guy, you would always just, eh, well, oh, ball four, eh, eh, ball three, whack. You know, instead, he just, you know, attacked the zone. So it was, it was awesome. And obviously, Jolice, you know, this dude's maybe one of the top three Fortnite players in the world. And he's oh. like, <laughs> he plays Fortnite like three wow. before he's going to go out to his start. And then he rolls out and goes seven innings of two-run ball. Oh my god! Did he do that before game one sixty three? I gotta know. Played Fortnite. Yeah. No, because we were on the road, and it was only. Uh, I was afraid. I was afraid he wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna be in his 
in in a, in the right place because the week before his last start, we played against Detroit. Mm-hmm. He picked one of Detroit of that uh, that final series there, and we knew we had to win all the games. Mm-hmm. It's game one, and then he came back for one sixty three on three days rest, and. I mean, I don't remember exactly what time he came out, but it was definitely three to seven minutes later than he normally comes out. And he's like jogging out. He's jogging out there and he has his, he always had this like big yellow ball that he would throw to warm up with mm-hmm. and break my wrist every time that I was trying to catch it. And he's got it. And he goes, ah, maybe I don't think I have time for the yellow ball. Because he had been playing Fortnite and he was into this game, and <laughs> so it was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, but it helped. It helped me because I was sitting there, you know, nervous. It's a big game. Like, we gotta, we gotta get this win, even though it's a Tigers. You still, <laughs> still gotta play, right? And <clears throat> it helped me because he was just like, "Eh, we got this." I just had to finish my, finish my Fortnite game. But yeah, no. So 163. Sorry, your question. 163. We drove to Chicago, and we ended up. You know, it was just we stayed the night, and it was a day game. So we got up and we went right to the field. And in Chicago, you know, lockers are half size, so you can't fit your mobile. You can't fit your the TV that he brought, and he would always put that TV in his locker and play. So. He wasn't the only one. A lot of guys were oh, yeah. playing the Fortnite. <laughs> um, so speaking a little bit earlier of Wade Miley, um, he, of course, was the opener for the infamous Game 5 in which he got pulled after pitching to one whole batter, which then resulted in rules, changes, and all kinds of shenanigans. Um, you were the catcher for that game. How much insight did you have that that was happening uh, that game? Um, let's see, that was a night game, so I was probably doing my scattering report at, like, 1.30, so I probably found out at, like, 1.35, and Miley was, like, he comes in, he sits next to me, he goes, hey, you know I'm only throwing to one batter, right? And I'm, <laughs> what? <laughs> and, I mean, within seven minutes. Council comes, pulls me into his office, and he was like, hey, you know, I think we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And I'm like, okay. Like, he wasn't sitting there asking me. I'm like, yeah, cool. All right, let's like, do it. Yeah. This is what you're doing. This is who's going to be on the mound. You just catch it, you know? Yeah. So it was like I was getting ready for their left-handed lineup that they usually ran out there. And instead, I just got ready for their right-handed lineup. But by that point, it was, you know, it was game four of the NL NLCS. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure I know what they're, you know, we're going to do to, to their lineup lefty or righty. You know, if you're not prepared by game four, you're four games late. So. Yeah, very true. Um, and I mean, and, and you had, you know, after Miley comes out, you had Brandon Woodruff uh, come in and earlier in that series, Brandon Woodruff had one of the most legendary mm. moments 
of all time in, in, in Brewers history going yard off Kershaw. And I mean, you look over the video, you see Gio Gonzalez going completely nuts. Uh, what was your reaction? What was, what were your arms doing? What was your body doing <laughs> as you saw Woody go yard off Kershaw? I missed it live. Oh, because oh, no. in that moment, I'm a right-handed batter. Obviously Woody's got a, you know, you got to be ready in case there's, hey, we might we might switch. Obviously, that's his game. He's throwing that game. But you got to be ready. So I was under the tunnel, just just being ready. And we had a TV under there, not an Astros-style TV. But we had a TV under there that we watched. And it was I, – I got to see it on TV. But I didn't get to see it, like, on the bench, like mm-hmm. – I think I saw a video of it one time of me when he's coming down the steps, like, mm-hmm. and he just man hands high fives, and I'm just like, <laughs> what? Like I still get chills thinking about. It. I still get chills thinking about the way it sounded in the stadium, like after even afterwards. Like I don't know who was mm-hmm. hitting probably low came, but it was like. It doesn't matter what he does. He could hit a homer here, and the volume will not go up. It was <laughs> incredible. Man. Um, I wanted to ask, um, so your catching partner for most of the year uh, ended up being Manny Pena. And Pena, unfortunately, he is uh, now in his first year with uh, not on the Brewers um, in 2022, um, but one of the more beloved players um just for how fun he was kind of you know some of the videos we'd see in the clubhouse uh what was it like having him as a teammate just kind of his being getting to take part in his personality and whatnot oh man the pineapple he is there's 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 certain players that when you see how the fans love them you're like oh yeah you know they they get it they get it Brewers fans, they love Manny. If they knew more about Manny, they would love him even more. He's he's one he's he's my I always told him he's my second favorite Latino player that I've ever played with. My first favorite was Carlos Ruiz. So another catcher. Mm-hmm. He is just there was never any spitefulness about anything. There was never any like feeling bad about himself. He was always there. He always appreciated the opportunity that he got. Cause I think it, it took him a while until he got to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. I always tell people that certain people, when they get contracts, you're extra happy for them. Like when Wade, My- when, a, when a redneck like Wade Miley gets a contract, you're like, <laughs> you're super happy. When a brother like Manny Pena gets a contract, it is, it's unbelievable. It's so, so exciting for me to see that for him and his success. And I know it's tough for him to leave Milwaukee. He loved Milwaukee. That's where he got an opportunity. But to be able to get the contract that he just got is awesome. And he's just, the reason the fans love him is because he's genuine. You're never going to mm-hmm. not that that is as genuine as him and not liked. Because he just, 
he's not trying to sell himself. He's not trying to, you know, put out this persona. That's just Manny P. Like Manny P can sing Hotel California. (laughs) And like his, ah, his, I I still tell one of the jokes that he, that he, that he told me. And it, it, and he told, he actually told me, and then I'd made him, because I would get on the mic during that season in the front of the bus. And I told him to come up to the front of the bus and just like, just that kind of stuff. He is, he's the best. He is, he is one of, one of the good ones for sure. So, so we had a catching tandem uh, karaoke night on the front of the bus. (laughs) Yeah. But he, I sang, I, I didn't sing the same night, but he sang, he sang hotel California on the front of the bus. And that was, I'm sure we won three of the next four games. I I can't, <laughs> I can't back that up with baseball reference, but I'm sure we did. Like that's that's the kind of stuff that gets you through July and August sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets you through the the dog days. Or a or a five day or a five game sweep of the Pirates to go into the go into the off lost those five straight games with the ball going through my legs. I had to play the plate in pouring down rain and like, what, what are we doing? What just happened? Yeah. Our whole season and won five game series. (laughs) Got Manny Pena singing Hotel California. (laughs) God bless Manny Pena. Uh, Uh, There was, there were a lot of fun guys on that team. Like I, I think that 2018 team was probably the most fun Brewers team I've ever seen. Was that the most fun that you've ever had playing baseball, being on that team with those guys? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely one of the teams up there for me. You know, I had some minor league teams that had a lot of real, a lot of fun, but it was the same each time. Like one of the minor league teams I played on, um, 2014 and 15 Royals, those teams ever did I have as much fun on it. I don't like when people ask me that, I think about it like, did I ever have a losing season when there was, you know, had that much fun? No. You know, so which is first? Like we were winning, so we were having a lot of fun or were we having a lot of fun? So we were winning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Age old question, trying to build a team around fun. Or are you trying to build a team around winning? No, you're trying to win. But you've got to have fun to win and you got to win to have fun. So it was it really was i mean you you can go through everybody in the lineup besides braun we all had a lot of fun <laughs> yeah. he was he was my easiest target when i would get on the mic on the bus he was my easiest target like he would sit up front and so if you make eye contact with me when i'm on the mic i it is that's just an easy target so anytime i can throw a braun dig in there we <laughs> we had a game I wish I remember who got the win. Whenever we get, whenever you get a win, um, in you know your your big league debut or your first ever save, your first ever win, you get in the laundry cart and they push you into the shower and put you under the shower and you know say, oh, first ever win or whatever, you know, first save, first hit, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and. You know, the spray, I mean, 
there's like mustard, beer, <laughs> stuff just thrown all over the person. And when you have so many people called up, it's like a rookie every other day, you know, you, or somebody's up there and you're like, oh, I didn't know that person didn't have a win. We're all piling into the shower. Some guys have their cleats on, you know, so it's like click, click. Everyone's like kind of like slowly piling in the shower. And somebody goes, oh, what are we what are we going in for? And that game, Brawny had played into the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Brawny's getting in the shower. It's the first time he's played past the seventh. <laughs> oh, yeah, real funny, guys. I was like. He's like, oh, you get a hit, and now you're real funny. I was like, yeah, I don't have many of those, so maybe I should be under the shower, too. So. <laughs> I've made the big – or that's what he said. He said, oh, Kratz made the big leagues past September. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, hey, that's all. If you can't throw smoke, you can't – you can't – you have to be able to take it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. true, very true, and and you seem to be one of the one of the big uh, smoke throwers over there, big big smoke thrower in that locker room. I'd like that. Do you throw shade, or do you throw smoke? Which is it? Hmm. I, don't I, know. I, I feel like throwing shade has more malicious intent. So, uh, throwing smoke, that's fine. That's fine. That's yeah. good natured, right? Uh, it was all good natured until you hurt somebody's feelings. And you just gotta say you're sorry. Yeah, and that that's what it's all about, you know. Just. Uh, Keeping the team uh, together, and and yeah, I mean there were so many uh, fun personalities. Yeah, Jesus Aguilar there for Jesus Aguilar and Eric Thames at first base had to be the biggest, strongest combination at a corner infield spot I've seen in a long time. Manny Pena, Manny Pena, they were both out there. Uh, Aggie and Aggie and Thames were out there taking ground balls. And Manny P and I were going out to throw with the pitchers or something. I don't know. We were, and he goes, hey, he goes, look at that. He goes, weight limit, first base right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, all I thought was like, there's a sinkhole at first base. Like, it's just like, <laughs> just slowly, just slowly leaning out at first base. But, uh, so good. Yeah, those dudes, they were some. That was some beef. We had the offensive line at first base. Oh, yeah. And, th- and then you got Travis Shaw and, and Mike Moustakis at third. I mean, golly. Oh, we, yeah, we, we had the blocking core. They were yeah. big. We had a big, big infield. Like, that's they're, – they're, nobody's, nobody's going to deny that we weren't going to be stealing too many bases. <laughs> <laughs> Except Yelich. He'll just run around, but – yeah. yeah. Think about how think about how Yelly's shoulders had a feel carrying all of us that whole time. Little <laughs> Yelly, he's got to carry that whole, you know, two hundred and ten pound plus lineup around for. Yeah. for a- and no, no wonder he's having back issues. Eighteen <laughs> residual pain. You know, it's funny, though, like we've been talking about so many players from that team, and this is the first time really we've addressed the freaking National League MVP of that season, Christian Yelich. I mean, what was it like watching that guy go to work every day? Great. He, he, made, he made being an MVP 
looked like it was just like, well, you know, if you just do better, you'll be there. <laughs> like, it, it was, you, you don't, ex, you never, you never expect somebody to do great things. He just would. Like, he doesn't have two home. Guess he's going to hit another one here. Whack. There it goes. <laughs> At the time he needed the, the cycle that he hit the cycle in in Cincinnati. We needed all six of his hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was triple here. And he was just like, oh that? Sure. This park's given up <laughs> four triples the whole season. And it was like a base hit. I hit the same ball that he hit later on in that game. He got the game winning hit. I had an add on RBI. The same ball that he hit for the triple, I hit and got thrown out at second. I didn't even. <laughs> he made it in the third without a throw. <laughs> what? Like what he was doing was incredible. It was, it was, one of the best. I mean, has to be the best. I, I can't. 2017. I saw Judge. Judge's September. Mm. 2017 was. Impressive, um, his rookie of the year, but just what Yelly would do was just bananas. I'll never forget. I'll never forget the game. I, I like listening to sports radio in the towns that I live in, just because I grew up listening to sports radio. So I like hearing what guys have to say. And Yelly had a day off. Like I don't know what it was like maybe a week and a half before the end of the season. It, it was against the Cubs. It, yep. It, yeah, Council had been Everyone trying to get him a day it. off. It, it was the final game final game of that series against the Cubs, and he gets a day off, and everyone's like, what are you doing? Uh, I think, I, were we in Chicago, too? No, no, we were at home. I, I think we were at Miller Park, mm-hmm. yeah. We leave or something like that, and I just remember, like, it was, oh, my gosh. There was, like, Council was not going to make a pitching change that whole day. He was going to get booed. Like, if <laughs> Wisconsin's golden child was ever going to get booed, that was going to be the moment he was going to get booed. And I remember, my gosh, he's not in the lineup. It's like, we still got to win this game, even though he's not in the lineup. But then I remember thinking, eh, if he pinch hits in the seventh or eighth, he'll probably hit a homer. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't really Oh, man, that was... That was like Brewers fans. Oh, we never. This is the this is the moment. We're never gonna do it. We're never. I mean, callers were calling in like, when did the Packers play? Like it was. <laughs> they were fans were out on us at that day. Yeah, for for one day, Brewers fans turned into Philly fans. They That's did. what happened. <laughs> they did. Turned into Cubs fans. Whoa, it was me. Ugh. <laughs> and and that decision still gets referenced these days like anytime someone complains about a lineup uh they'll say yeah kind of like resting yelich against the cubs am i right like uh, yeah. as always a settle down coaching decisions get made we're gonna be fine yeah well see that's that is that right there is the difference between milwaukee wisconsin and new york Philly, Boston, it's like 
three people that aren't even from the city are going to write articles in the athletic about how this <laughs> fired and this, you know, the difference is like pump the brakes. Every game matters, but eight healthy games for Mielli is way better than one scratch claw it out game against, I don't even know who was pitching that day. Quintana. I mean, it wasn't like he was, Kyle Hendricks, who he rakes. Yeah. And Quintana pitched every game against the Brewers, so. Right. It was unbelievable. He pitched all the time. Yeah. And, like, never faced John Lester, like, once. It was the strangest <laughs> thing. He was he was ducking us. <laughs> finally did face him. I think we whacked him. He was, he was yeah. ducking us. But. Yeah, Can you no, I believe it. Yeah, well, you know what's the best part about that whole season and for the Cubs' sense is they never got to celebrate. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Could have when they clinched a playoff spot, but Joe Madden, I remember re- I remember hearing an interview, like, he was like, yeah, you know, kind of slipped our mind, bull. Oh. You know, you're the most you're the most choreographed manager out there with your loser horn rim glasses <laughs> as like a five year old. You know, everything choreographed and you forgot to celebrate. No, you were waiting to celebrate till you won the division. Whoops, that didn't happen. Our flag flew above yours for the rest of the season in the off season all the time. And then. So we destroyed your clubhouse, and then the Rockies came in and destroyed your clubhouse. <laughs> went home and had to drink box champagne. Beat it. <laughs> oh. Uh, there we go. That is some professional. I, I think that's more than smoke. That may be shade throwing, and I absolutely love it, man. That was shade throwing. I'm going to definitely <laughs> never get a job with the, with the Cubs now. <laughs> oh, no. The worst. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of Cubs fans listening to this podcast. I, I love it. I yeah, a lot of Cubs fans are in into the review of the brew. Exactly. <laughs> no, but I going out there, I had no idea that the Cubs and Brewers rivalry was as big as it as it is. And I I love that. I love rivalries. You know, mm-hmm. growing Phillies versus the Braves was a rivalry. You know, then when the divisions changed, it was Phillies and the Mets. Uh, you know, and then right at my end of my time playing for the Phillies, it was the Nats and the Phillies. So I, I love, and obviously, you know, Boston, New York, all, I love rivalries. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll watch other sports when there's rivalries, even if I don't like watching college football. I love watching a good college football rivalry. The oh, real- yeah. The real ones. We're not talking about Wisconsin, Iowa. Yeah, you know? no. Wisconsin, <laughs> Minnesota. Yes. There you go. You know, real ones. The real ones. Yeah. No, nope. Gophers do. They're going to be eight and three every year. Yeah. Ohio State, Michigan. That's a good rivalry. Like, that's a rivalry. But yeah. I mean, as we know, Cole Hamels said that it's not a rivalry between the Brewers and Cubs. So I mean, come on. You got there like three minutes before that game. <laughs> wasn't a rivalry uh, I don't think it's a rivalry save it Cole you... 
Is that his voice? <laughs> voice. Um, it know, is now. He always says, you know, you know, Cole. I just, I don't think this isn't a rivalry. Why? Because a bunch of Chicago fans came to Milwaukee and were in the stands. I didn't see any Chicago fans in the playoffs, so I guess it's not Oh, <laughs> there we go. Oh, this has turned into just my favorite kind of podcast, just Cubs shade. Beautiful. <laughs> Your three Cubs fans are going to be super pissed. <laughs> they are never coming back after this one. <laughs> well, I mean, they're in rebuilding season, so everyone's hopped off of that bandwagon, so it's probably pretty empty these days. I love the rebuilding season. They've already signed Stroman. They mm. already highly off the off the clearance shelf. Man, they got him for like three. <laughs> what a what a great pickup for them. Yeah. And they might they might be in on Correa. Oh God, no! Uh, I hope not. We just we just got rid of one annoying shortstop over there in Baez. <laughs> he's not. A, he's like I think he's one of the least annoying on that on that team. Yeah. yeah. He, he, annoying he, in he, that he has big games against us. Yeah. When recently? Well, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was I? Yeah. He. Who Who did you find most annoying on that Cubs team? I don't want to. Me- Tommy Lastella. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and he's he's ever since he left there, he's done really well. But he, I mean, he walked around like he was. He should have been the number three, number four hitter in that lineup. Always complained about pitches. Ugh, Tommy Lastella. I'm trying to think who else. Was Wilson Contreras annoying? He he's he's the most annoying one to us now. Oh, he's definitely yeah. He's as much as as far to the one side that Manny Pena is to authentic. Contreras is the exact opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> Not mm. but. He's definitely talented, but it's all about him. And it is, yeah, he he can swing it. And he gets out there and he plays a lot of games. He is always out there. But I always, I always hoped that some fan base would hate me. That was for. <laughs> but I never played good enough to be hated by a fan base. And they're not like, oh, man, I really hate Kratz. Like, the Reds hated me for like three seconds when I got in Votto's face. By my not, by my last at bat in the ninth inning that game, they forgot who I was. <laughs> anybody anybody hates? Like Braun never went into a city where he hit two fifty and they booed him. No, it was always the places like he goes we go into Philly and they would just boo him obsessively. He like was like like a career like three eighty hitter going into Philly. You know, yeah. I always want to be booed. So if Wilson Contreras, if you don't like him, it's probably because he's flamboyant, but he's also rakes. Yeah, and he also leans into pitches uh, from from time to time. That, that's what I think the biggest beef has has been leaning into that and then complaining about it. It's like you leaned into it. You know, stop complaining. You got hit when you lean in. Um, 
But yeah, you might be hated by Rockies fans given how you did in the NLDS against them. You went five for eight, man. You were raking. Rockies, Rockies don't hate anybody. They live in Denver. Like what a <laughs> They're yeah, they're fans. They don't even, they don't even remember who plays on their team. <laughs> well, That's because their GM keeps trading them and sending fifty million dollars along along with them. It's like yeah, sure, here you go, leave. Oh, take this while you go. Yeah, no doubt. Denver, what a great place. What a great place to play. Yeah, Let's they, they deserve a, a smarter front office over there. Yeah, true. Yeah. Been struggle a little bit lately. They're but uh, rebuild, rebuild. Yeah, the, the rebuild, whatever. They're, they're not even admitting it's a rebuild over there. That's the craziest part. I hate but. people. I hate it when people aren't, aren't genuine. Just genuinely say, we don't know what we're doing, so we're going to trade off the guys that we do have and say cash. You'd be like, okay. No. You should be fired, but okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't be allowed. I'm not saying that's not part of this discussion, but. Uh, man, and uh, I think definitely also one of the more uh, genuine guys. I mean, this article came out in The Athletic um, earlier this past year about Craig Council as a manager and everyone just kind of raving about his communication and how genuine he was and and uh, caring for his players and how he is as a manager. Uh, what was it like for you? What was your experience playing for Craig Council uh, and having him be your manager? One of the best I ever played for. I mean, everybody, all the best managers I ever played for, their personality is ne- never changes, and they're always the same person, no matter the ups and downs of the season. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that they're like you know everything's peaches and cream. Like, hey, we just lost, we just lost five straight to the Pirates. Like, he's not coming in and being like, guys, it's great. Like, everything's great. <laughs> oh, it's not great. It sucks. We want to make the playoffs. That was terrible. Come back, be ready to play again. You know, but when you come to the park and your manager's up and down and oh, he just doesn't know what's going on, you have a sense of just uncertainty about it you know, uncertain to who's, who's going to be in the lineup, uncertain to how your manager's going to react when you make a mistake or you make a decision that wasn't right. And he does such an incredible job of connecting with the players, but without being like trying to be their friend. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I still keep in touch with, but it wasn't like we were going to – it wasn't like we were going to like go hang out after games. I think some managers try to make that connection and be just boys and stuff and ah hey, hey, you know punch him on the shoulder kind of thing and it's like he had that but he allowed the the clubhouse to be the clubhouse. He put guys in situations to really excel no matter what it was and they 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 always did they always did it genuinely as a staff it wasn't just him as a staff did it genuinely but also they did it you know uh truthfully like hey what do you think about this guy i remember i remember him and dj sitting me down and murph was there too all the, both those guys 
were huge in that in that culture in that communication aspect it wasn't just council it was dj it was it was murph and they sat me down and they were like hey what do you think about this guy what does the team think about this guy it was a pitcher and i'm like honestly at this point i had known him for a while i was there for a little while and i was like honestly the guys think he's scared when he goes out there and they were like okay that's what we thought like i wasn't like oh my gosh for real like it was just confirming it and that guy didn't pitch much down the stretch and so it was something that they just they did a they did such an incredible job of communicating to make you the best player but also communicating for the team to do the best that they can and it's it's rare but it's also rare that teams constantly make the playoffs every year. So there's a reason. Yes. I, I mean, obviously it's easy when you have Christian Yelich hitting 450 from the all-star break on. But that's one guy. <laughs> that's one guy. Like, look at the Nationals this year. Like, Juan Soto pretty much did what Christian Yelich did after the all-star break, and they didn't make the playoffs this year. No. But when you add in other things, when you add in – Corey Knable going on the DL for 10 days, fixing what was wrong, and then coming back September, October, giving up four hits and five hits in two months. Like those are those are things that, yes, Corey Knable had to do it himself. Yes, I had to call the pitches. Yes, the fielders had to do what they did. But Council and DJ, you know, they sat down and they didn't just say, we struggled. He struggled in July and August. It was, what can we do to get him back to where he is? And it not just be, well, you know, these are the things that I know. I don't, like, they ask questions. They try to figure out what will help each player. And he's the prime example of, you know, digging deeper into the information and coming out on top. Um, I know we're running a little bit towards the end here, but um, you mentioned Pat Murphy and I feel like just anytime we hear about that guy, it's just gems that come out of that guy's mouth. Um, did you have any particular ones that you remember from him? He's a loser and nobody likes him. <laughs> Not even that good looking. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I'm trying to think of a unique, a unique thing. Ah, man. I mean, I have so many Murph stories. You know, I'm sure you've heard about him putting the bagel down his pants. Uh, (laughs) What else did he do? He had a he had a tally sheet. There was a hole in the wall between the dugout and the locker room. And it was from. Travis Shaw's bat going through it and to remember that it was from Travis Shaw's bat going through it (laughs) Murph hung up a just a sheet of paper like like he pulled it out of the printer blank sheet of paper and he just wrote Travis Shaw's bats and every time he'd break a bat he'd just go back there and put a (laughs) because he was snap bats all the time whether it was out of anger or just, you know, hitting it off the end and, and it shattered. And 
I don't know why it made me laugh every time I saw it, but I would always see that tally, and then underneath it is just this hole in the drywall <laughs> <laughs> that that T. Shaw had put his bat through. Uh, so funny. Mur- Murph is Murph is definitely one of a kind. There, there's tons of Murph stories, uh, but the yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he makes me laugh every time I hear his name. Yeah, everyone uh, seems to love Murph. I remember the this past year, um, or back in 2020, when he had his uh, his heart attack and he came back, and Daniel Vogelback's on the team. He's like, "Wait, I had a heart attack and you didn't? What?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and his his spring training banter. Like, I would go to spring training if I'm a Brewers fan just to hear. Murph, get on the pitchers. <laughs> the stuff that he says, like he'll be in between, he'll be in between the fields, like walking back and forth, and the pitchers will be jogging field to field, and he's like, "Let's go, pitchers, let's go!" And somebody will mess up or something, and he'll like stop the whole drill and be like, "Oh, Burns, you realize that the reason you messed up." Not because you did anything wrong. Not because you did anything wrong. And he'll be like, Bobby Wall, did you see him mess up there? And he's like, do you know why he did something wrong? Or he said, do you know why he messed up? And right before, like, Wall will say something, he'll be like, no, you're wrong. That's not (laughs) what it is. And everyone will stand there. He's like, Burns, the reason you messed up is because you're just not good enough. (laughs) okay continue let's go you know the stuff that he says is so so tremendous a lot of smoke a lot of smoke out of that guy oh yeah all it's good because when he does it's not too much but it's enough talking because council you know he can be a mute Mm -hmm. he's kind of council chose him for a reason and Murph's been everywhere. Murph's been college ball. He's been in, you know, rookie ball, low A, all all the way through. And so he really he connects with the players really well. Yeah, and I think uh, I think I remember seeing God, what was the they had T-shirts this year. It was like the like it had like Murph and like the Metallica print. Mm-hmm. It was like Murph and like uh, then like instead of the Metallica logo, it had like a heart. It was it was like Murph and like the the heart attack crew or something like it was some it was some sort of play on his heart attack i like that i like that i like that he, he would be the first one to to wear that shirt too oh 100 he probably designed it if we're being honest <laughs> murph and the heartbreakers oh, I, I think that's what it was yeah like, like murph murph and the heartbreakers with like a heart in the background love that oh love that. amazing love murph love all those guys um one thing I wanted to, to ask you about, I remember your, your final season in uh, New York. You're going out there, um, Davey Garcia was pitching, and the mics caught you saying, I'm going to play catch with my son. Because <laughs> he's like 20 years younger than you. That, yeah, that that's that was funny. So we had played together the year before in AAA when he had gotten called up, and I kind of caught him I think almost all his starts in AAA that year I don't know how many it was but 
So, and I always joked, like, like if I had made a poor decision when I was 19, like you could have been, my, if I had taken a vacation to the Dominican Republic, like <laughs> my son. And he's such a great kid, such a great, really good pitcher and works hard. All that stuff has a great mentality towards, you know, getting better. And he's awesome. And when the Yankees designate him for assignment, I hope the Brewers can pick him up because when he goes to a place where he can get utilized and people can really, really connect with him and get the most out of him, I think he's going to do awesome. But fast forward to 2020, then he was at the alternate site. He gets called up and they were like, yeah, you're going to catch his debut. I'm like, ah, oh, this is the best. And you kind of have your, I, I had my guard down because there was no fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. And because I, I don't like, I don't like when, like, I like being funny for like my teammates and like busting mm-hmm. balls with my teammates. But like for the fans, like people, sometimes it looks disingenuous when mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. guys are like, being real gregarious out there and like looking, you know, look at me kind of, <laughs> yeah, that's not, especially as a backup catcher who it's two ten. like, look, <laughs> just go out there, try to focus a little bit more and do better kind of thing. <laughs> but with no fans in the stands, I kind of had my guard down and ironically what they didn't catch, which would have been even funnier was as I was coming up the steps, I tripped on the second to last step <laughs> And almost fell. And I like stopped. It was before the camera caught me. I stopped and I looked back at the pitching coach, and the pitching coach was like, (laughs) (laughs) And so I ran back down the steps and I ran back up. And before that, I was like, Oh, I'm so nervous. (laughs) And and that's when I turned and they caught me. I was like, Oh, I get to, because I get to play catch with my son. And everybody in the that was if you listen to the video, you can hear the pitching coach in the background laughing. <laughs> oh, it's just that camera that's just constantly fixed next to the manager or next to the pitching coach. And so yeah, it caught it. But it was a good it was a fun moment. Oh yeah. Oh my god. That, that's even funnier knowing the background of that story now. Yeah, that I tripped uh. that one I didn't trip and fall on purpose. Ah. You need to look up the video of me tripping and falling opening day home opener for the Astros 2016. Oh, that one I did on purpose, but just look it up. It's in the deepest dark caverns of, of the, uh, Twitter verse. Yeah. It's, I mean that, well, it, like, did someone like tell you to do that or did you just come up with that on your own? I came up with it on my own and then somebody bet me $2,000. Well, two guys bet me a thousand each that I wouldn't take a dive. <laughs> I might get like, tomorrow. I'm definitely taking the $2,000. <laughs> <laughs> like, never had a guaranteed contract. Shoot. I'm always, even the one time I almost had a guaranteed contract, the Brewers fired me. So it's like, <laughs> like I'm taking that $2,000 and I'm running. Yeah. Or, or falling in, in this case, but <laughs> True. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that's incredible. Uh, and um, oh God, what was I gonna say? 
Oh, um, because I, I was just kind of I was just trying to look that up on uh, on YouTube here, trying to see if I could find the video. But instead, I found your ending on the mound and the knuckleball, and that reminded me we we should probably ask you about the knuckleball that you got up your sleeve. Yeah, it's a knuckleball. It doesn't spin. That's pretty much all I got. <laughs> no, I I started throwing knuckleball back in college, and I think yeah. it's to do with like the lack of like flexibility and like a stiff wrist when I throw that I was able to pick it up and. I threw it in the minor leagues. The best story I have about the knuckleball is 2004, way back when some people were in middle school. <laughs> I was in double A, and we were tied going into the 12th inning. Ran out of pitchers because in the minor leagues, they're like, yeah, don't throw anybody, you know. And mm-hmm. so I got to come out and pitch, and – we were playing the Binghamton Mets. First inning that I pitched, one, two, three, got him out. Next inning, and it was the first three hitters in the lineup. So it was one, two, three, got him out, boom, went to the next inning. We didn't score, went to the next inning. Leadoff hitters, David Wright. Oh. David Wright, I get 0 2, and I flip a knuckleball up there that didn't knuckle. It just kind of rolled, and he had a homer to right center off me. That's when I realized that pitchers should have to run the bases instead of the hitters because I felt so embarrassed standing (laughs) that it would have been much better if I had to go run the bases for him and then go back and pitch. But, yeah, so David Wright's last double-A home run was against me in 2004 because he got called up to triple-A soon after that. Wow. So that would be like the like culmination. It wasn't the birthplace of the knuckleball, but that was the culmination of probably the apex of my career. Everything <laughs> else downhill from but uh so the top moment was giving up a homer to, to David Wright. <laughs> yes. So but that said, in the three innings that you pitched for the Brewers, you struck out two batters. Do you remember uh, who those batters were? Oh yeah, the one. G- so one one was Austin Barnes. That's not real. Like <laughs> he's you know I think I might hit hit the ball harder than he does. He probably hits it more consistently than I do, but I probably hit it harder than he does. But the other one as a Brewer was Eugenio Val, not Eugenio Valet, Eugenio Suarez. Yep. The announcer for the Red says Eugenio Suarez. <laughs> and he was an all-star that year but my first ever big league punch out i have the ball and i had the guy autograph it because we played together later in my career it was brandon belt and oh. he an all-star of the year i struck him out so pretty much that's what i do i strike out all-stars like if you yeah. need to yeah. in and strike somebody out it's just absolute filth yeah, and Belt just went off against the Brewers this year too. I mean, that was that was insane. Um, but yeah, oh, sure. what? He had a good year this year. Belt had a good year this year. It wasn't just oh yeah, yeah he did. But it seemed like especially against. I think he had like five homers against us in like seven games. <laughs> like 
it was nuts. Like just every single game. Oh, he's hitting another homer. Oh, this is great. Uh. Um, yeah. All right. So, I mean, you've you've made a, a bunch of uh, self-deprecating jokes about your career uh, as a backup catcher, a, as a hitter. And as Milwaukee fans, a, as you all know, Bob Euchre was the same kind of thing. Kind of a backup catcher. Didn't hit that well. A lot of self-deprecating jokes. Uh, do you have a career in radio possibly in the future or or uh, maybe even managerial aspirations like council or anything like that? Are you just going to be chilling? I'm just going to make my self-deprecating jokes on the side. Yeah, I have no goals in life, so I guess I need. To, <laughs> now that I'm on here, I need to start making goals in life. Oh man, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I would love to be on radio, honestly. Uh, I talked to I talked to Jeff Levering about it because he's kind of moving over to some more TV stuff, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Yeah, I'll put you in touch with the the radio guy with the Brewers. You know, maybe he can get you a couple games, or you know." see if he can make a connection or something. Now, I, I'm not sure if my, if my cellular plan like ran out or something. Cause all I've got <laughs> is a bunch of just, just crickets. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about it. So I, I would, I really would all, all jokes aside. I would like to, I think doing something in radio would be fun. I think doing something on TV would be fun. Um, but you gotta you gotta hit hit the right connections with people and meet the right people. And I'm fortunate that I'm kind of able to take my time and wait and see. I've had a few few tryouts, a few auditions at different places. So so we'll see. Um, as far as coaching, I think it'd be great. I would love it. Uh, I've had offers to be on big different big league staffs, but the reason I quit was to be home and mm-hmm. coach is like the exact same schedule as being a player, except you're there more. So it's like, <laughs> uh, nope. I'd be so, so right now that's not a thing right, right now. It's not in my future. And, you know, I think there's different ways to make impact, make an impact in the game, make an impact with the players more than just coaching, obviously being there day in and day out is the best way, but it's also, you know, it's also only 25 guys at that time. And, you know, kind of the role I have with the Red Sox is pretty awesome where I can mentor guys and, and really be able to make an impact in different ways, not just the players, but the staff, you know, if if you can build up the staff and you can help those guys, then they go and they can help the players. You know, it's one of those things that if, each staff member is affecting five players, you know, you're making a bigger impact on, on more people. And so it's something that's, that's exciting for me too, but really it's about, for me, it's about being home and being available to my wife and kids and being in their lives now too. Yeah. And you, I mean, you can be the the manager for, for your son's teams, you know, and, and you can still, and then, then you have that, you still got the manager title. I yeah. still have, I still, and people don't know what a manager is. They're like, does that mean you're going to like fill up the water and stuff? Like they want to call <laughs> me coach. And I'm like, every time they call me coach, every time you guys call me coach, I'm going to call you player. Okay. And <laughs> really weird. was like, Hey coach. It's like, Hey player. Hey, co-, you know, no, yeah. you gone. I am Eric. Like you can like coach Eric. Eh, I'm not going to call you player, John. 
Like, <laughs> so it's one of those things that, yes, I am definitely going to be in my, I have, I, <laughs> I've definitely needed to learn though, that like the things I was like going to plan C before the kids even knew what like plan A and B were because, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You guys don't know how to loosen your arms up. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. I told you what the signs are, but when you get on first base and you're looking at me with your eyes and mouth open like this, <laughs> I have to teach you, okay, breathe, take a deep breath. The game's not going to speed up. Like, just relax. And they're all like, I'm like, when you guys are looking at me like this on first base, you're not getting the signs. You're not hearing anything. And they're all like, there's so much wind in the helmet. There's so <laughs> much wind in the helmet. Oh my God. <laughs> it's great. It's great. My, my oldest son is now in ninth grade. So my middle child, he is in seventh grade. So now I get to teach his class and the seventh graders from last year. So, so we'll see. We'll see how the game goes. You have to check it out on ESPN. I think we'll, I don't know if we'll be in the top 25 middle school programs <laughs> in the nation, but it's, it's a rebuilding year. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. 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 Got to, I think it might just be a, a regular building year. I mean, to rebuild, you had to have something before. I mean, if these kids didn't really know how to play catch before, I mean, you got to, it's building. Uh, we we won the last game of the year, so pretty much That's our true. last game. We're one and zero in our last game. If we win the first game of the year, that'll be a win streak. Yeah, there you go. It has happened before. It has <laughs> happened before. Oh my God, that's that's amazing. Uh, best of luck with that, Eric Kratz, man. Thank you so much for for hopping on and, and taking some time talking baseball with us, man. Th- this was so much fun. But like, we gotta we gotta have you on just talk that 2018 team. I'm sure you've got so many stories to share oh, about them. No doubt, we could just have we could just have one one podcast at June of 2018, then one <laughs> in July, one for August. <laughs> One for game three, one for game four of the NLCS, like all that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love uh, funny, quick, funny story. Living in Wisconsin, council still gets, you know, they'll, they'll play like classic games or something. He texted me. I don't remember exactly when it was. I was definitely already fired. So it was definitely <laughs> in 19 after the 19 season and they were playing game 163 and he texted me he's like this is the first time i've sat down and watched game 163 and i said honestly i haven't i haven't sat down and watched it yet i haven't watched any of the i've watched some highlights but i haven't watched any of the playoff run mm-hmm. he's like hey that'd be fun to sit down and watch these games with you sometime and just you know just just talking about that kind of stuff. I think that I, I like talking baseball. So, and I think all my memories are still the same, but maybe they're not. And so like when something happens, like, Oh yeah, forgot. So, Oh man, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing to just be a fly on the wall in that yeah. conversation. Just, just, you know, just listening, seeing, just hearing you guys go back and forth. I think, I think if you really did the research, 
not just for Brewers teams, but like any classic games, bringing people in and just playing the game and not like, oh, well, you know, Bob Costas here with Joe Torre and Buck Showalter, the two managers of this game of Yankees and Orioles, you know, players. But you have you have to do it right. You have to get guys like CC Sabathia. You got to get guys like mm-hmm. Joe Girardi, guys that are good on the mic mm-hmm. and not just like because most of the time the guys who can't talk on the mic were just really good players and they probably can't really talk about what was going on in the game. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it's great to hear like different perspectives of things. Like you bring in like Suter. Because that dude's intelligent, he pays attention, but he's a left-handed pitcher. So you're gonna get you're gonna get some weird weird. Yeah, was, he's he's weird. He's funny. Yeah, it's 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 just this. Uh, well, we talked about this with uh, with pitching ninja last mm-hmm. week too about like Eric Lauer and how he calls his pitches like zoom ball and bullet and riser. Like how he has all these weird names for his pitches, and I'm just like such a typical lefty. You know, and I can say this because I was a left-handed pitcher, so I know from experience. And now you've converted or worked really hard to be a right-handed pitcher? No, I was fired. I I was forced into an early retirement (laughs) as well. My retirement happened at like 1920 and yours happened at like 40. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't retire. I quit. That's that's true. Yeah, I I was forced into an early retirement. That that's that's what mine was. They took your jersey away, like they like they said in office space. Yeah. Uh, did you get the memo? <laughs> I thought we yeah. Fired. Yeah. It's my swing lines. Uh, amazing. All right. Well, on that happy note, uh, we'll we'll let you get going, Eric. Uh, thank you so much, man, for for hopping on and and talking some baseball with us, man. We had a blast. No doubt. I did, too. I appreciate it, guys. And if you ever are really down on your guest list and you're like, man, I wish I just don't know who else we could get and you need me on there. Give me a shout. All right. We'll do. We'll do. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for us this week. Um, We're going to take a break next week. Obviously, we know with Christmas and New Year's going to take a break during the, the holiday weekend then kick it back up again in January here on the Cold Brew Podcast. So thank you to Eric Kratz for joining us. For Eric, for Matt Carroll, I'm Dave Gasper. We'll see you next week, or we'll see you next year now. Uh, see, see you back in January for the next episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.